welcome to Blockchain Leaders Insights, brought to you by Blockchain Ireland. My name is Laurie Kehoe, Chair of Blockchain Ireland, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Pierce Ryan. Pierce, would you like to introduce yourself? I would. Thank you, Laurie. Hello, folks. Pierce Ryan is my name. Um, shall I give some background, Laurie, and Please. myself? Yes, indeed. Uh, well, uh, I am a lawyer by trade, so I won't let that spoil what should be a nice interview. Uh, for many, many years, 22 years, I was with Arthur Cox, well-known law firm. I was a partner there for 18 years and I've been out of there about two years now. And I'm now, I suppose what I have to recognise is an entrepreneur, although it's not a word that really suits me, frankly. Uh, and I'm the co-founder of two uh, businesses, one a financial services business and the other a, a, a healthcare business, both of which are in the sustainability area and both of which are technology driven. Uh, what I'm not uh, scurrying around as in my entrepreneurial role, uh, I do other bits and pieces of other things and I sit on the board of Blockchain Ireland along with Laurie, my eminent chair, and I chair the Legal and Regulatory Working Group, which is probably why I'm sitting here now. In this week's episode, we are talking all about regulation. Regulation is certainly a key term and theme which has dominated the crypto, blockchain and Web3 discussion over the last number of years and is set to continue over the coming years. Um, we are delighted today to be joined by Mr. Jerry Cross from the Central Bank of Ireland, who is the Director of Financial Regulation, Policy and Risk. Jerry, you're very welcome. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Pierce. Great to be here. So, jumping straight in, I think first things first, Jerry, we'd love to learn a little bit more about you. So, if you could share a little bit about who you are and how and why you joined the C or CBI or Central Bank of Ireland. Thanks. Thanks, Laurie. Um, so, I am the Director of Financial Regulation and Policy and Risk at the Central Bank of Ireland. Um, I grew up in Dublin, did my education and training here, here in Dublin, then moved away in, in around um, 1993, spent 20, 20 years plus in different parts of the world. So I was in London for a while, I was in Aberystwyth in Wales for a while, mm. so I did a lot of time in Brussels, some time in Washington, and then and this brings me to the second part of your question, uh, moved back uh, to Ireland uh, in 2015 for a job with the Central Bank of Ireland. Wh why was that? And I actually hadn't imagined that I would be coming back to Ireland. I hadn't imagined that I'd be coming back to the Central Bank per se. But in the wake of the crisis, um, it was really interesting. And at that stage, I was based in Brussels and in Washington. Uh, it was really interesting to see how Ireland and the Central Bank went about rebu rebuilding credibility, rebuilding their reputation. And very rapidly, as you were sort of engaging with different different cohorts of people in, whether it be in, in Brussels or, 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 or in Washington, that sense that Ireland was really responding very well to the trauma and the challenges of the crisis. Mm -hmm. And the Central Bank of Ireland's role in that, in rebuilding confidence in the financial system and rebuilding their credibility in Europe, for me, made it a very exciting place. Uh, so this, this, this job opportunity uh, came along um, and it didn't take much to persuade me that this would be something that would be really wor worthwhile doing. Never a dull moment. No, never a dull moment. And uh, it's, it's, it's surprised me that it's nearly nine years now since, since I returned. A huge amount has happened, but there hasn't been, as you say, Pierce, never a dull moment. And it, and it is very exciting. And I think we're about to talk about a whole mm. range of topics which will certainly keep you extremely busy over the next number of years. <laughs> and, and, and Jerry, just quick follow up there. In terms of what were you doing in, in Washington and Brussels? And Wales. <laughs> and Wales, but true. Yeah. So, so a bit like Pierce, I started out as a lawyer, but that, unlike right. Pierce, that's oh, a long, 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 now. long time ago now. Um, but I, and I, and I practiced here in Dublin for, 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 for a few years. Um, and then I thought, mm, that's maybe not, not 
for me for for for, for the whole time. Uh, so so I ended up in the UK uh, in in a university uh, teaching teaching law and regulation. Uh, and kind of one thing led to another. So then I was based in in in, in London for a while, working at the UK regulator, mm. Financial Services Authority, then at the European Commission uh, in Brussels, then in Washington. Always in the in the area of financial regulation, international or, or European or, or, or national, um, and and that's always been the kind of the, the milieu. And I think I guess it's been a very interesting period, a time a very challenging period. With I mean, the, the, I think the the, uh, the great financial crisis uh, left us all with many. Sort scars, of scars, uh, and and mm. and and a sort of an experience that uh, it's important not to forget, but it's important also sort of to build on the things we've learned. And I guess I guess that would bring us a little bit to our discussion today, which is how you, having done all the repair work that has been done over the past ten plus years, now looking to the future and all of the things that are that are ahead of us. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Jerry about the CBI, and perhaps you might talk to us a little bit about the role of CBI, the responsibilities of CBI, perhaps. Uh, delve into that uh, side road of uh, whether or not CBI has a role in terms of promoting Ireland Inc., which is a frequently discussed topic uh, more abroad than perhaps at home. Um, and uh, perhaps talk to, to us a little bit about the day-to-day life of, uh, of an eminent and very senior person within CBI. And then finally, our CBI hiring. Question mark. <laughs> Thanks. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot in that. Let, let me try there, and, um, yeah. and, you, and you can you can remind me if I if I yeah. if I don't cover it all. Um, but I think I think it's 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 a really important question to ask. You know, what is the role of the Central Bank of Ireland? What's the role of any central bank? But actually, what is the role of the Central Bank of Ireland is particularly important because we're we're not unique, but we're we're quite uh, distinctive in in the in the breadth of the things that we have. So it's unusual to have a central bank which does not only monetary policy mm. and financial stability, which all central banks do, but also which does financial regulation and the full scope of financial regulation. So, so that's quite, quite an interesting thing about, about, about the Central Bank of Ireland. Um, it allows us to have that integrated perspective, which we find hugely valuable. And going back to what I was saying earlier uh, about sort of our credibility in Europe, I think that is one of the things that has helped the central bank but also Ireland uh, create that sense of of reputation and and, and things uh, being in 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 a very well high quality kind of shape in, in in Ireland. In simple terms, what do we do? In simple terms, the role of the Central Bank of Ireland is to try and secure with, within the scope of our mandate. Mm-hmm. I would say the economic and financial well being of the citizens of Ireland. Also, more broadly, the citizens of Europe. Because we have we have an international sector, but the citizens of Ireland, and we do that through a number of, of ways, and it's easy sort of to get lost in the techno the technical kind of questions and all that. But yes. but, but if, you, if you think about it, okay, we have, we're, we're responsible for trying to manage inflation as part of the the, the 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 European system of central banks. We're responsible for trying to ensure financial stability, i.e., that the system keeps working reliably. The banks, the insurers, the payments firms, the funds, etc. And then we're responsible for making sure that it all operates in the interests of consumers. Mm. Right, so if you think about those three things, and there is more, but if you think about monetary stability, so that's making sure that the inflation remains under control, yeah. financial stability, and that the financial system is about the interests of consumers. All of that is designed to, to, to secure 
the financial interests and the economic well-being of the state and of and of citizens. So, so that's what we're about. So, so you, I mean, we will obviously get into all sorts of different technical discussions, and there's many, many facets of what we do. But fundamentally, for us, it always comes back to that. Yeah, right? it's it's yeah. A, no. Thank you for that very clear exposition there, but. I mean, I, this is something I had for many, many years in my previous life because I set up uh, the fintech group within Arthur Cox, um, uh, going back to a period where a lot of it was, uh, shall we say, even more racy than it is today. <laughs> and this this thing about Ireland Inc. and uh, CBI having a perceived rah uh, rah rah role came up in every single call, mm -hmm. and in every call you had to say, "No, <laughs> mm. that's not CBI's role. It's here. It's not." flag-waving for Ireland Inc. And mm. it comes up all the time. Mm. And I'm sure you see it as well. Yeah, People look, come in with an expectation that's not quite aligned with you know, and, what and you it's, do. It's, got, it's understandable that people kind of ask that, ask that question. Say, well, you know, central bank, you're about the well-being of the Irish economy. Mm. So therefore, shouldn't you be attracting firms into the Irish economy? Now, of course, the first thing I'll say is that there's many um, other uh, authorities and bodies yeah. who have responsibility in, 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 in that space. But more importantly, and it goes back to your first question, what, what is it that the central bank should be doing? Right? And what we should be doing is making sure that the system operates in a high quality way, that it operates in a way that it, the financial system is supporting the economy, that there's stability, and that citizens' interests and consumers' interests, those who are using financial services, are protected. Yeah. When one of the things that came very clearly out of the crisis, and you know, Patrick Honan, who was the central bank governor during the period when we were coming out of the crisis and dealing with the crisis, and he did a report into what went wrong. And one mm. of the key things that he identified was that the central bank was trying to do two things, was trying to be a promoter and a regulator mm. and concluded you can't really do both. Mm. Now, that's it's, it's very important to say, and, and, and there's kind of there's two concepts in play. Right? One is competitiveness, right? Is it the role of the central bank to make the Irish economy sort of a competitor to bring in, to promote? And the answer there is no, it's not, that's not the role of the central bank. Is it the role of the central bank to regulate and to act in such a way that competition within the financial sector is strong and healthy. Yes, it is. That is mm -hmm. part of our, mm -hmm. of, of our responsibility. So, so there's important distinctions here, but fundamentally, right, fundamentally that's about ensuring that there's innovation, that there's good competition and high quality regulation. And if we do that, if you look at the success of the jurisdiction, if you look at how how much activity, financial service activity goes on here and how it's growing and developing and the role of the financial services sector here in Europe more generally and how many firms of different types want to be here Correct. and offer their services across Europe. That reflects the quality of the Irish jurisdiction. And there's a whole number of facets to that, right? There's well, the quality I don't of think the there's work. ever been a doubt about quality. Right. And, 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 yeah. and the quality comes from like the people, mm. it comes from our environment, it comes from our culture, and it comes from, from our regulation mm. as part of that. So for us, being a high quality regulator, right, who understands our mandate, who communicates well, who is trying to ensure that innovation and competition are part of a well-functioning financial system. That's how we think about it. And that's all about you know, having the best 
performing financial services sector yeah. that you can. And it's interesting on that point that uh, increasingly the Commission is reaching for regulation, not directive, when it comes to financial services legislation. And of course, that hugely cuts down the opportunity for what's called arbitrage. In other words, a local uh, legislator to take a view on how to implement, which of course is used and sometimes misused by those seeking authorization. Mm. So therefore, more and more, the quality of the regulator is the, is the distinguishing feature is between X and Y country, mm. as opposed to, you know, one's taking mm. a view here and one's taking a view there. There's less opportunity for the local parliament to take a view, which is a good thing, I think, mm. overall. And Jerry, going back to one of the uh, Pierce's questions there is, uh, without, without putting you on the spot, what is your job? So my personal job. <laughs> good question. So, so, so yeah, no, no, no it's, it's a very good question because, as I say, we are, uh, you know, um, it, it comes a little bit from the fact that we are we are a very distinctive reg, uh, central bank regulator and that we have so much within our mandate. So, so one of the one of the things that's sort of at the heart of my job, uh, which is being responsible for policy and if you like our supervisory frameworks. So, so that's why it's called po my role is financial regulation, policy and risk. And fundamentally, that's about our policy and our supervisory frameworks. And one of the things that's really important for us to try and do is to try and make sure that because we have so much activity, so, so many different types of financial services activity going on in yeah, Ireland, yeah. that we first of all are very integrated uh, in our perspective and in how we how we regulate, hmm. right? so we don't sort of say, well, insurance firms we regulate in this way, um, banks we regulate in this way, uh, payment firms. We, we we try to make sure that we are on the one hand consistent and coherent, but also proportionate. Right? Also recognizing that there are differences, right, and that you're if you're a small startup, in crowdfunding space, you're not a large established hundred year old retail bank. And so how we get we make sure we're proportional. So, so my responsibility is for the is for the basically the regulation uh, and, and the frameworks that we apply. And that has two aspects to it. One is in Europe, because as you rightly intimate, Pierce, I would say 65, 70 percent of the relevant rules now come directly oh, from Europe. Directly, yeah. And um, so a big part of our role is participating in Europe. And trying to make sure that the that, that a the insights we can bring are are well embedded in, in the European discussions, and b that what emerges is very well suited to the Irish situation. And then the other part of my role is in relation to domestic regulation. So how do we approach blockchain, crypto? How do we, as a central bank of Ireland, uh, think about those things? Uh, you may have seen some of some of the viewers may have seen we introduced an individual accountability framework over over the recent very and important still very introducing important. It. Yeah. that that's a domestic piece it's a piece of legislation and then it becomes becomes a regulatory framework and um, we we currently have a really interesting um, uh, review of our consumer protection code so there'll be a consultation coming paper coming out in in, in the coming uh, few weeks which is really if I can say so, really interesting in terms of what we're saying there about how you, in the modern context, how you, how a financial firm genuinely secures its customers' interests. How do they balance the need to make profit, make sustainable profit, and 
put their customers' interests at the heart of what they do. And, that's and a as really you indicated at the very beginning, yeah. that's one of perhaps the three fundamental pillars of the role of any financial regulator, including your good selves. And I think it's fair to say that perhaps the crypto space has not proven itself over the last number of years to be the best custodian and guardian of the interests of consumers. And that's, that's something that they'll have to deal with as they grow up and as they mature. And dealing with the likes of CBI and other regulators is a big part of the growing up adolescence mm. phase of uh, <laughs> a very young industry. Mm. And a lot of growing pains there. Absolutely. And, and Jerry, in terms of, yeah, the day-to-day, um, what does that mean? Are, are you in Ireland? Are you in Europe a lot? Are you around the world? Yeah, so, so I'm mostly in Ireland. <laughs> but um, I, I suppose, I mean, I, I travel a, a fair amount. Um, interestingly, post-COVID, um, one travels, I travel less than, than, than I used to. Yeah. And that's kind of part of our sustainability uh, sort of uh, mandate. Uh, which we said, well, actually, we've learned things in mm. COVID. So one can do a lot of European meetings. It's been quite an interesting journey. So, so we, we now do about 50% of our, of our European meetings. We do them uh, virtually and 50% physically. Mm. Um, and it's kind of been interesting uh, during COVID and afterwards to recognise how you also need to do the physical, right? Your, Europe works on cross-cultural yes, engagement. you have to. Mm. You need to to know people and, and particularly with the sort of uh, the different uses of English. It's really interesting because obviously most of this is, is done in, is done in English. Yeah, you're spoiled um, there. But you're people lucky. speak yeah. English very yeah. differently and, and it really matters. It can mean different things. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it, it really matters that you that you are able to sort of have those face to face and get to know people. So a lot of my time is spent uh, traveling, but mostly I'm here uh, mostly uh, I'm uh, sort of in meeting with uh, stakeholders, whether they be uh, firms, consumer representatives, civil society representatives, oh. uh, and frankly, just sort of then working with staff to to think about the issues. Um, it's a huge and, and this being one of the kind of crypto yeah. and blockchain being an innovation. Being, Director being of, of Financial Regulation, Policy and Risk. I mean, that is an enormous mandate. You must never sleep. <laughs> I sleep. Um, uh, no, but it, it, it's it's inter- I mean, it's a very it's a very interesting role, and and, and I've been very fortunate uh, to to do it. And, it's and, at the uh, very heart and, of uh, what a regulator is. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. One of the quick things to discuss um, as people want to get into the crypto, blockchain, and Web three industry in terms of careers. There are also opportunities within the central bank. Would that be fair? Oh, very definitely. Yes. Very good, definitely. good opportunities as well. Yeah, no, no, very definitely. And and again, I would you know from my own experience coming back here, joining the central bank nine years ago, um, it it's a great place to work. Yeah. I mean, it's genuinely a great great place to work in the sense that very, people very much driven by the public interest aspect of things, um, but very good culture in which to work. We have very flexible post COVID. We have a very kind of fifty percent on-site 50% uh, home type of, 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 of arrangements. Um, really good colleagues, really a fun place to work and fundamentally doing an important job and a really, really interesting job. So well, without the, the, any yeah. prompting bribery and or corruption, I can concur with that because I know quite a lot of people, a lot of lawyers who have joined CBI and I've never heard a bad word from any of them, which yeah. is really saying something. Well, that's, that's very good. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, it, 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 yeah. it's hard work. You know? Yeah, uh, and it's and it's demanding work, yeah, but it, but it is yeah. really interesting. And and Laurie, a little bit to your, to your question. Mm. So um, I mean, we always have we have kind of turnover, I guess, more or less in line with sort of turnover in in, in industry uh, more more widely. Um, but of course, as um, the nature of financial services is changing, 
and as tech and innovation and indeed other new areas such as climate, sustainable finance, yeah. etc., as they become more and more embedded in the financial system. And of course, our capability needs also change. So, so a, a really interesting uh, challenge at the moment is getting that balance of sort of financial services, acumen, the ability to do supervision, which takes strong judgment, certain determination to get good outcomes, mm -hmm. but to combine that with some of the technological capabilities or some of the, the, the climate um, understanding. It's very, it's, there's, there's a lot of... It's hugely sort of, uh, challenging. I mean, the uh, it's hugely challenging, but also yeah. there's, lot, there's lots of room now yeah. for, for us to, to, to uh, d develop our capabilities. In, in some areas, in a lot of areas, the commission leads the charge, but, you know, you're the body of the attack and you need to be fully au fait with what's involved. And if you take sustainability as an example, or AI, hugely challenging for a large institution to suddenly become an expert, relatively suddenly become an expert in AI. You know, where does one start, you know? Very difficult. Yeah, yeah. I'll come back to that. Yeah, And switching gears, so at a at a macro and at a broad level, Jerry, what are your thoughts on blockchain, crypto, and Web three? Yes. So I think it's. I mean, it's 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 really it's a very very exciting time and development. I would say. I mean, if you go back to the to the origins of Bitcoin and sort of look at the uh, sort of the the the, the the really significant uh, groundbreaking thinking that found expression in Bitcoin, right? Massively exciting, I would say, with yes. huge potential, right? That combination of the te technological, the cryptographic, and the kind of the, the imaginative vision to put them together, which has laid the foundation for, for so much uh, thereafter. So I think that's that's the fundamental that that I would say is is that kind of sense of this is a very exciting time and a very exciting development. I think then the second thought I would have is we're still at very early, very early stages of it. Even though we've made you know, huge strides mm. and there's been huge development, it's still at an early stage. Um, and where does it all go? S remains a very open question. I mean, we can see we can see. Um, paths of development and and trends of, of evolution, but in ten years' time, where what will we look back and say and say and okay, we didn't know that was going to happen, we didn't know that was going to happen. No, look at the the, 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 the developments, you know, in the last twelve months in the area of of, of AI and ChatGPT and and, and 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 all of that. So so one of the challenges then for for a regulator is to sort of to have that sense of this is very exciting. Uh, it has loads of potential. We don't know where it's going to go, mm, mm. and one of the one of the the facets of innovation is allowing things space to to develop, to fail, to change, to grow, and all this. As a regulator, that's that's a real challenge, right? Because your your national t temptation is to say, "Well, let's make sure that works," um, etc. Um, so so it's it's trying to find that. So so that's where we kind of. How, how we think about it, yeah. massive potential. Uh, how do we uh, how, how do we allow that potential to flourish, while at the same time, if you like, holding the ring? I suppose is what I would say. So, so and, making and all sure in that the context that, yeah. of of being part of a union uh, that uh, through the commission has demonstrated over the last number of years that it is not going to sit back and wait in relation to any area of advancement. It is going to lead the global charge in terms of regulation and legislation uh, in some areas like sustainability with a volume that's 
unprecedented in other areas like AI and a pure global first and Mika a global first. You know, the commission leads and of course the national regulators all participate, but uh, it's, 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 it's leading by legislation and leading by regulation. So it is impossible, even if a regulator wanted to sit back and wait, <laughs> they can't. And of course they don't, but uh, it's, it's an extraordinary uh, situation we find ourselves in in the union with the plethora of legislation covering so many domains and the demands that places upon a regulator mm. in areas that they're not, uh, as of today, fully cognizant with and have to get up to speed very quickly. Yeah, and I think that's right. And I think, I mean, it's, it's very interesting to, to, to look at, um, at MECAR, um, uh, the Markets and Crypto Assets Regulation, to give it its, 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 full, its full title. And, and I, I think, I mean, I think when it comes to the areas of, you mentioned climate and sustainability and sustainable finance, and when it comes to the areas of sort of uh, technological innovation and financial services, I think the, the European Commission um, has played a very well-considered role. I, th I think they've really got the fact right, um, that you need to strike that balance oh. between, on the one hand, not uh, impinging uh, unduly on, on the ability of things to, to, find, to find fertile soil, and to flourish and to grow. And on the other hand, to say, yeah, but we also need there to be confidence. And I think that's one of the things, for example, about MECAR. It's, it's trying to strike that balance between a regulatory framework which doesn't overreach, doesn't kind of shut things down, but at the same time says, but we want, we want there to be confidence. We want people to be confident that if they're dealing with the blockchain in financial services, they're dealing with crypto, that there's sufficient underpinning to be confident that you know uh, the financial system uh, is not going to let them down. And, and that segues nicely into two questions that were allocated to my good self, which I think we'll deal with together, which is the role of CBI in relation to innovation, which having discussed here and me having kind of made the point that we're all, we're part of the European wagon, actually in this area, uh, this is an, an Ireland-led area of, of innovation. So what we'll talk about here in this in this segment is the role of CBI in tech-based innovation in, in within a, within a, an, an innovation-led financial services environment, number one. But number two, particular uh, initiatives that CBI is in the process of, of launching and, 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 and so on and so forth in relation to innovation, including the sandbox and so on. So that's a general segue into mm -hmm. discussing your role in innovation, which is a domestic initiative. Mm. Having, because a lot of what we've been talking about here is, to date, is about the European Union. But yeah. I think, in truth, this is very domestic. You know? Yeah, so, so I mean, I, I think that's right. And, and let me answer the, the, the substance of it. But, but one thing I would say is that um, we, we, the, the approaches we take at the Central Bank of Ireland, we always have a very close regard to, um, there's not much point in a financial services, a European financial services sector, for us ploughing our own furrow, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, if it's, if it's got to make us sort of an, an outlier. So we always try to think, okay, what do we think the right approach is? And then as part of that as well, how do we convince our European colleagues? So for example, on, on MECAR, and I'll come back to your question, on MECAR, one of the things that we have been very, very keen, I'm sure we'll come back to this, to do is to make sure that the European supervisory authorities, in particular, the Banking Authority, mm. EBA, and the Securities and Markets Authority, ESMA, that in, as they bring forward their work on MECAR, 
there's a very strong collaborative approach between the different supervisors, right? Because as you say, there's, it's problematic if we're doing one thing, France is doing another. Correct. Lithuania is doing another. Malta is doing another. So, so we, we, we press very hard for there to be coherent, consistent approaches uh, across. The thing. So that's just, it's kind of mm. on, that, on that little bit. Now, but, but you're right, of course, we as a Central Bank of Ireland, we, we have to work out what is our approach to innovation? What do we think about it? How do we go about it? Um, and I think it goes back to, to the first question, Laurie, that you asked, which is, you know, what, what, is, what is the central bank? What, what is our role? Um, and and uh, what I said there was that, you know, our, we see our role as being uh, designing and implementing regulation which allows the financial sector to fulfill its potential in supporting the citizens of Ireland and in supporting the economy, right? So it's 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 about it's, it's about the outcomes. Right? Y you've got to have for a financial system to work well. There's got to be good competition. Mm. You know, for, for for customers to get the best products, to get their needs serviced at the best value, uh, to have you know, the sort of new products which deliver new things for them. In other words, let's say re reduce transaction costs, yeah. make it easier to uh, change their euros into dollars or into um, whatever other currency it may be. Y you need things to develop and change and improve and, and, and go forward. So you need innovation. So that's our perspective. Our perspective is we're regulating the financial sector in Ireland. We're contributing to the regulation of the financial sector across Europe. We want our regulation to be consistent with a financial sector that is innovating, that is enjoying good competition, but also, of course, that is doing so in a way that is securing their customers' interests. So it's always that balance. And, it, and, it's, and it's, at, at times, it's a, it's a very difficult balance. And we don't always get it right. Um, but trying to ensure that, on the one hand, we're saying to firms, OK, if you're a, financial, a regulated financial firm, uh, you need to be in the mindset of securing your customers' interests. And we want to see that happen in a, in a market that is innovative and uh, innovative and based on, on, on sound competition. And, and segueing using the word innovation, because that's the word that's going to come up again and again over the, the rest of this interview and, the, and indeed in this room, given who, who we are, who we are on this side of the, of the, of the, of the chairs. Talk a little, let's talk a little bit about the innovation hub, this area, this idea of, 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 of pushing out a policy in relation to promoting innovation or facilitating innovation or whatever the ex correct expression is, including the fantastically interesting area of, of developing a sandbox, which is something that industry has been calling for for a long time, perhaps not in all cases being fully cognizant of what it might look like, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, liking the idea. What overall is this strategy, what, is, what does it look like and what will it look like as it's pushed out? Yeah. So, I mean, you, you use the word strategy and maybe that's kind of a, a nice little hook for, for me in a way, which is that um, we, we um, at the Central Bank of Ireland, we published a new five year strategy two years ago now. Um, and in that strategy, we said, OK, what are the things that will really matter? Taking this five year perspective um, and, and, and we identified uh, four things. One was that our, our whole ro role around just what we call safeguarding, making sure that the system remains sound, stable and functioning well. Um, another was that we continue to transform in line with 
this, the financial system and the economy mm. transforming. But two, 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 two features that are really, really important for this conversation. One is, we said we must be future focused. Okay? We must have an approach which is based on not the system as it has been, but the system as it will be and our role in making sure that that's the best it can be. And secondly, that we do that in a way which is, and we use the phrase, open and engaged. Right. Again, we're putting at the heart of our strategy the idea that for a central bank regulator, you need to be engaged in the ecosystem. Yeah. We need to be hearing and we need to be explaining. You know, it's it, it's very easy. And traditionally, maybe central banks, it's, sort of, it's been, well, more command and control. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that we sort of say that we, we're, we're not saying we're, we will still make the decisions. We'll still make the regulations and we'll still implement those regulations. But the world is moving so fast and things are changing so quickly and it's so complex. We have to understand what's happening. We have to understand the insights that this massive and fast ecosystem is producing. So we have to be engaged with it. We have to be open and, and is, the, is that one of the primary drivers <clears throat> to, in the creation of a sandbox, which, you know, would give, let's say, Laurie Inc., if Laurie Inc. was to enter into the sandbox, uh, the ability to chat to you, which is, is very valuable. But, you know, what does it give CBI? What would it give CBI? Is it the ability to chat to the likes of Laurie, who would otherwise not, for want of a better yeah. way of putting it, get into the building? So, so I think Laurie would always be, always, always be. <laughs> and indeed, our building is open to the public, so anyone can come in. Yeah, so um, that's true. There is a museum there. You but can uh, but, but I think yeah. it comes back to the sort of the, um, the, the two things, right? So the future focused and the open and engaged, th those two bits. Um, we, we, um, we set up the, five years ago, 2018, we set up a, a, the Innovation Hub. Mm. Right? That was our first foray, our first step into, into the space. Which was very welcome. Yeah. Which know, was very welcome. And, and, and it performed very well. I mean, I, I was looking back at the figures. I mean, over, over those five years, we've had in around 400 different um, uh, entities, A firms, great touch point with, with the CBI. Exactly. A great way of getting to talk to the right people. Precisely that. So, so, so again, valuable. it served two purposes. One yeah. was that, you know, startups who were getting into the fintech space, but, you know, Regulation, well, that, that's not something they've had to think about before. Correct. And, and the yeah. central bank, I mean, dealing with the central bank, well, the central banks, you know, how do you even deal with the central bank? I mean, those are genuine. Somewhat uh, scary. Questions. Yeah. You know, the central bank had this idea of sort of monolithic buildings and, and, and how, do you, how do you get there? And you need to lawyer up um, before you go in. Uh, all of that. So, so, yeah. so, um, so, so one idea was that, you know, we, we make it easy, yeah. friendly, you know, open access. Well, if you have all, an idea, it was all if you want to discuss it, yeah. it's all co yeah. coming to you. Well, thank you for saying that, Piers. Um, but then also for us, I mean, precisely that, that we then, we, we know things through the Innovation Hub that we just wouldn't have known, you know, or that it would have taken us three years to know. In fact, it, takes, it took us three months to know yeah. because we had the conversation. Mm -hmm. And we had, and we were talking about this earlier, Piers, I mean, in order to make the Innovation Hub work, we had to create internally networks of people. So people who are dealing with IT, people who are dealing with the funds authorization area, people who are working with banks, payment firms, policy people, supervisory people, authorizers, you know, a whole network in turn, it, it kind of forced us to think integrated. Well, fintech is not a thing. Tech. Fintech is lots of bits of things. Exactly. Yeah, and it does exactly. require collaboration. And it's, it's all new. Horizontal uh, collaboration across an organization. And so much of it yeah. is people putting the ideas together, right? People sort of saying, well, if you, if you think about that and you think about that and you think about that, and you put those together. Well, now you've got something new. 
Yes. And we're going, <laughs> we as a central bank go, okay, well, we don't, we don't think yeah. like that. Nobody's <laughs> ever thought of putting <laughs> those two things together so, before. So it's, it's, trying to, it's for us yeah. trying to say, how do we bring them together as well? So that's been really successful. But it was, I guess, you know, it was, it was open and engaged mark one, I suppose. Um, and I think what we've realized is that, first of all, that approach, that innovation hub, we can enhance that. Yeah. So we, we can do more. We can, we can make the portals easier. We can make the sort of the structures more straightforward. We can provide more information. You know, we can, so we can, so we're, part of what we're doing is enhancing that. Um, secondly, we're, we're setting up a kind of a, a, a digital knowledge center. So again, just in a very simple, in a, in a way, way, but nonetheless important sort of just saying, okay, you know, we will make as much information as we can in a structured way available at a central yeah. place. And then, and I suppose this is the real change, is, is the idea that we set up a sandbox. Now, as you rightly say, Pierce, I mean, we've been, we've been asked for quite a while, shouldn't you have a sandbox? Doesn't everyone have a sandbox? Yeah. Why don't you have a sandbox? Um, and what was interesting to us is, you know, and we talked a lot to our European and international colleagues, Everyone had a different idea of what a sample exactly, was, yeah. right? So that, that was yeah. that's kind of interesting. So, so the question for us wasn't per se, will we have a sandbox, but what's the best thing to do uh, in the kind of sandbox space? Um, and so we, we have a consultation out at the moment, as, as, as you rightly uh, allude to, um, where we're basically saying this is what we think will be the best thing for the Irish context, and that is uh, a sandbox which is first of all thematic. Right. So we will, on a rolling basis, say, OK, this is the theme yeah. that we think we would like to explore. Now, that won't be just, OK, we'd like to explore the theme, but it'll be based on our engagements through, for example, the Innovation Hub, uh, our engagements with a whole range of, of different stakeholders. OK, this, this theme yeah. seems to be a very um, interesting and timely one. So, for example, over the last little while, push payment fraud, for example, is, is something that people have been talking about a lot and saying to us, is there not something that could be done uh, in the kind of tech startup space that would help with that. Just I just mentioned that. Sustainable finance, greenwashing, yeah. Um, yeah. anti-money laundering. There's a whole range. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many things. Yeah. So adopt a thematic approach. Secondly, uh, to work with partners. Okay, so, so, so again, one of the things that we have found really positive, and of course, Blockchain Ireland uh, is, is part of that ecosystem, over the last three years, has, has three or five years, has been this relationship of engagement, collab collaboration yep. with a whole range of, of 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 different types of sort of uh, partners, incubators, different types of stakeholders, different types of, of of organizations and associations. So, if we work with um, partners who to 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 on a, on a rolling basis to create a kind of the the thematic engagement for a particular maybe six month period of time and so that th therefore you get the collaboration between ourselves as the regulator the partners as let's say the business model incubators and then the startups oh, and it won't just be startups right so it's, it's, it's by no means focused on startups alone it's, it's basically anyone who's got innovative fintech type technology-based ideas um Th th that kind of that th th those three to, to to come together, we think that gives us a, a, a good bang for our buck. And then the third part of what we'll do is open that then to applications. Uh, it's it's fantastic. I mean, let's be honest. Central banks are and still are were and still are rather daunting places. And traditionally, the only way you could engage with them was to, you know, begin your Mifid application. And that's right. not a place in which you wish to quote unquote engage with anybody, <laughs> you know. But this area of of of, of focus allows 
companies like ourselves, Laurie and so on, to, you know, c come together and to go in and talk and to say, this is the plan and get fantastic feedback from the regulator. Very clear uh, feedback, or in some cases, not clear on the uh, giving example. Well, no one's ever done that before. That's really interesting. We need to go mm. and think about that. Fantastically yes. interesting. And if the sandbox, uh, for instance, provided, uh, you know, some data, whether, you know, real live data, that's fantastically useful uh, for corporations looking to train AI engines and the mm. like and so on. So this is a, a, a huge amount of potential here for both the industry and the regulator, I think, to to gain mutual benefit. Fantastic. Switching gear again, Jerry, um, what are your thoughts on central bank digital currencies and more specifically the digital euro? So so that's a, that's a, a big and important question. Um, uh, and I won't do full justice to it in, in kind of this kind of sh short um, session, but let, let me say a couple of things. I, I think the first thing to say is fundamentally it's a political question, mm. right? So, so, so we are a central bank or part of the European system of central banks, which is headed by the, the ECB. And the ECB has done a lot of work uh, in, uh, in relation to the development of, a, of, a, of a, a digital euro. A lot of really good work. And we've basically gone through the first phase, which has been the investigation phase in the ECB. And now we're at the uh, preparation phase. Really importantly, the ECB has said, this has to wait for the political decision, right? So the Commission, the European Commission, has put forward a proposal about how a digital Europe, uh, a digital euro, might take shape, um, and that that the discussion around that political package, um, and and I should say it's accompanied also by a package about the 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 ongoing requirement for cash availability, because mm. in order to be to be clear about that, yeah. so the, and, and we at the Central Bank of Ireland, completely committed to the availability of cash. It is it is. Uh, highly valued by by citizens and, and, and we're, we're completely committed to that um, the uh, you know when, when you think about the digital euro the challenge is not a technical one right the challenge is um, making it work well for the economy and the and the citizen again back to that I think you know, um, you know, wh when you think about the relationship uh, between the sovereign, if that is the state and the citizen, money, the reliability of money has always been at the heart of that. So you go back into ancient times, to Greek, Roman times, coins, the sort of the stability of value um, of currency has always been at the heart of the relationship between the state and the citizen. So I think there's, there's this huge logic in the idea that when, when money has become so electronic, you, you will need to have you know, genuinely a digital euro. Now people say, well, don't we all, isn't it all electronic already? Well, it's not. Yeah. At, at the moment, even though it sort of, it feels like it is, um, that there are layers of intermediation, let Indeed. me say that. Exactly. What will the, the euro, digital euro mean for those layers, in particular yeah. the payment industry? Well, so I'll come back yeah. to that in a moment. Yeah. But I think the first thing to say is that, that it's sort of, this is basically saying now the fundamental, the underlying money can be electronic. And given the amount of innovation, you know, that's going on across so many different things that we've, we've been discussing and will discuss, um, I, think it's, I think there's a real sort of strength in the case that you would want your 
the ability for society's money to be electronic. That sort of cuts out lots yeah. of lots of other things. But then, but then, there are some real challenges with that. And for me, the most important one is that uh, the citizen has no doubts mm. about the reliability, the security, the appropriate confidentiality. And, and, and we see this, we see this discussion about, well, you know, does that mean the state will know all the, all the, all the transactions that I, that I have? Does that mean that I've, I've no longer got sort of a sense of uh, privacy mm. around uh, how mm. I use my money? So, so it's, uh, now, of course, the, 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 the digital euro is being designed so that, that it will be Confidential and identity is the key, and management of identity is exactly part of that. Exactly. Which, of course, is a, is not the natural remit of a central bank. No, so but, another example of them getting into areas that. Yeah. But what's really know. important is really important that the political discussion takes place, yeah. so that people don't feel, oh, where did that come from, and how do I how do I trust it? So, so I think that's that's really important. Then, I mean, and the thing to because you were you were alluding to then is we how, how does it interact with the existing financial system? So I think a really key part of all of this, and this is what the ECB has been really focused mm. on, is making sure that as we were to move to the rolling out of a digital euro, that that would be done in an orderly manner, in a way which was not disruptive of the financial system. So, for example, the idea that you'd have a limit on the amount that uh, of, of, of money uh, that could be held digitally in order to avoid undue disruption. That's, again, that's not a discussion that has reached its end by any means, but it's, it's part of the discussion that needs to be had. How do you make sure that there's a, an orderly um, implementation? Orderly is the yeah. most important word there. Um, hugely challenging, but it will change our lives fundamentally on a day-to-day -day basis, you know? Uh, let's move on. Uh, we're just conscious of time, actually. We've, we've been uh, having a marvellous discussion, but the clock is against us. Let's talk. About, let's go back to Mika or Mikar. Um, my crib notes here tell me I should be asking about your views, but I think to a certain extent we've done that already. Um, uh, just before Christmas, just before the end of the year, the Department of Finance issued uh, a document in relation to a consultation exercise uh, setting out some uh, findings and rules, if you like, or... or, or the state of play in relation to the transition period. It will be 12 months in Ireland. And then in relation to the grandfathering of VASPs into what are called CASPs, crypto asset, crypto asset service providers, and how easy or not easy that uh, transition may be. Would you talk to us a little bit about that, Jerry, please? Mm. Yeah. No, I think, and I think what is, um, what is very I mean, interesting about Mikar, and let me let me come at that that question um, as the transition uh, uh, momentarily. But just worth just saying a little bit more about about Mikar uh, before I get to that, which is, um, and we we touched on this. I mean, I think the design of it is 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 well well judged. I think the European Commission has done 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 a good job, and they've basically said there are three things that are happening in this space that they want to look at. Um, one is you know, the issuance of tokens. So whether those be e-money tokens or what are called asset reference tokens, sort of tokens which, which reference something else other yep. than, than, than just a single currency. And they basically put in place a set of rules around if you're issuing e-money tokens or asset reference tokens, then here are the criteria about how you must run yourself to be a, you know, a good quality firm because people will be relying on you. Yeah. 
Uh, here's the kind of the type of safekeeping you need to have in place to make sure that the money is there when needed. Um, uh, here is the rules around redemption so that people can get their money back. Um, and here's how you have to treat your customers uh, in, in an appropriate manner. So very, very sensible. I think that's, you know, it's very clear if you are issuing this, these tokens. Secondly, uh, if you are a, and use the word CASP, crypto asset service provider, and that could be, you might be an exchange, uh, you might be a, um, a platform where, 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 where they are um, uh, held, you might be a, a depository, uh, you might be providing advice. Yeah. So, so um, if you're a crypto asset service provider, then again, people are really relying on you. And here are the things uh, that you need to do in terms of governance, in terms of the quality of the, the um, the service you offer, and in terms of how you treat your customers. And then thirdly, the one thing that uh, Mikar decided it would not do would be to regulate directly uh, unbacked uh, crypto assets. Yes. Okay, so crypto assets which don't have a reference, whether it be an a, a e-money uh, or, or currency or, or, or assets. Now, so, so you know, the... Many of the of the crypto products uh, that you'll all be familiar with are like that. They don't have a, mm -hmm. a, a backing. Um, the the commission in this proposal, which we which we supported, decided it didn't want to regulate those products because it yeah. felt that those products were, are not financial products uh, and they shouldn't have the imprimatur of being financial products because there is no there's nothing underneath them. It did, however, say if you are a CASP, a crypto mm -hmm. asset service provider, mm -hmm. dealing with such products, then you are regulated, right? So it's a very nice balance, I think. So yeah. you've got the issuers of EMTs and ARTs, you've got CASPs, and then you've got this, the, the, the rules around unbacked uh, crypto. And there, if you're a CASP dealing with unbacked crypto, you are caught, but the, the product itself is not. I think that's, I think that's sort yeah. of a, well, well judged. And that kind of brings us a little bit to, to the Central Bank of Ireland's um, perspective on this um you know uh, and laura you asked a question earlier about sort of our view on blockchain web3 crypto etc and i and i and i told you how, how positive we are about the sort of the the um uh the development uh the, the potential that, that there is there but we also have a very big concern right we have a very big concern and it's just about one thing it's about unbacked crypto that are heavily marketed uh, to, as for speculative purposes to retail customers. Mm. Right? And that, that's a mouthful, right? But, it, but each, mm. each element is, is, is important, right? Where we see unbacked crypto, in other words, things that don't have an inherent underlying and they are heavily marketed, right? So you've got the whole Finfluencer uh, uh, activity going on and they're being sold to retail investors for speculative purposes we think that is is problematic okay so and we we said so very clearly and we, and we make no no hesitations about it and we and we we engage with our european colleagues in that discussion you know to sort of to, to make clear that this is where we think europe uh, should, should 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 largely largely be and um, that that's not to say right that that, that there isn't potential lots of potential in unbacked crypto right uh, and we get that we get that you know we're a central bank regulator. We don't know 
all the things that one might know about how Web3 is developing, about how, how, how important unbacked crypto can be in lots of different contexts. And, and, and we're, we're, not, we're not, not positive about that. We're simply saying it's, the, it's this particular use where it's being heavily sold for speculative purposes that we are, we are concerned about. And, and that feeds through to our, to, 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 to our, to, to our approach. So I just thought it was worth saying that here. Just one yes, point, no, that, one that's one a more, very interesting point. Talking about, about Mikar. And then just coming to your, the separate point about the transition timeline. Look, um, um, you know, Ireland ha has, I mean, it's, I mean Ireland is, an, is a very <coughs> interesting, very positive place around, around uh, digital innovation and, and tech and, 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 and this whole, whole, whole We whole all agree space, with that. You know, yeah. and, and again, I alluded to the fact, you know, obviously we're the, we're the home uh, to many, to the European headquarters of so much uh, of the tech industry, which creates a very interesting uh, environment in any event. We've got a highly educated workforce. We've got a very international uh, workforce. We've got lots of activity between Ireland and all, all the rest of Europe because of, of, of the sort of the cross-border activity. Um, and we've got high quality regulation uh, and we've got a, a mindset which is very, very positive towards innovation and competition. So we're, so we're in a really good space for, for, for that. Um, uh, as part of that, um, you know, we see uh, a very material interest in crypto, in 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 CASP authorization, in uh, ENT yes. ART authorization, um, and we are very actively engaged with firms who 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 will want to be authorized in that space. Whether there are already VASPs virtual asset service providers for money money laundering, anti-money laundering purposes or, or not. I think there'd be a lot of applications for CASP. That's my gut feeling because there was arbitrage in relation to VASPs, if it's possible, but that's removed or will be removed in relation to the CASP. So I think folks will take a, a different view as to their preferred jurisdiction. Mm. And I, I think there will be a lot of applications. Yeah. And so, so, so we, you know, we, we are preparing ourselves and, and, and uh, as I say, very much engaged with, with, with those who are interested in, 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 in participating. The, the level technical terms but Europe's development of the le what's called the level two regulations that is the sort of the regulations that sit underneath the legislation mm. uh, that is underway at the moment to develop those they will be hopefully finalized in the next five or six months and at that place we will be able to open formally uh, our authorization process but until they're there we can't formally open them but we do want firms to engage you, the early you know it's very clear the earlier you engage um, the sort of the the better uh, all around. That, that and, and based upon my extensive research in the car on the way out here, uh, there is no less than 10 consultation exercises underway at the moment. Five, I think uh, the, uh, the Commission has four or five on the go and the EBA has got uh, four or five on the go. It amounts to 10 in relation to Mika. It's extraordinary the amount of activity. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. all happening to a very, to a very short yeah. timeline. Very short, yeah. But I, so, so then that brings to specifically your question. So <clears throat> in, in Mikar it said, it says, you know, that um, member states can uh, allow up to 18 months yeah. after the implementation date, which for CASPs is the end of 2024. So, so we can allow 18 months thereafter uh, for, for firms to continue before they have authorization. Uh, there's, we, we, we've been having discussion, the Department of Finance have been having discussion, and more importantly, I guess, uh, the European Super Securities Markets Authority, yeah. ESMA, has been having discussion. And what the, the, the nature of that discussion has been is, what's the right balance? So if, if the legislature says up to 18 months, um, what's the right balance between, um, on the one hand, making sure we all have enough time 
uncertainty about the, the process. And on the other hand, once the legislation is in, moving to have it implemented reasonably quickly. And I think a pretty strong consensus emerged that 12 months is the right balance. That in other words, 12 months is, it, and that puts pressure on us as regulators, right? To, to, to be able mm. to get the authorization process done. That's a good, very good that, point, actually. Mm. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it means that, you know, people who are expecting things to be authorized, um, uh, those, those things actually are authorized. Uh, and, and there's not a very long period uh, where, where they're not. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's a balance. And, and also very it's, importantly it's in relation to the existing VASPs, in which, of, of which I think there's five in Ireland, they will not get a, a easy, quote unquote, uh, uh, grandfathering uh, um, um, mechanism from VASPs to CASPs. They go through the full procedure. Yeah, so, so, I mean, we've been asked about this. I mean, <laughs> they do go through the full procedure uh, in that they, you know, that they, that they need to be authorised. However, of course, we know them, right? Very good because point. Because we, yeah. we, we have, we have a, a, it's, it's registered them as and, VASPs. And in, if I might interrupt by saying that in Ireland, those VASPs were put to perhaps a somewhat higher degree of, of, of scrutiny than in other jurisdictions uh, which took VASP registrations. And, and that's, and that's yeah. the, the, which is a very an, good point. An, but an important yeah. development, yeah. And, and I mentioned already, an important development is that when it comes to MECAR um, and CASPs, uh, because it's, it's such a weightier, I suppose, piece of, of regulation. Um, th there is significant work underway in Europe. Mm. What I describe as real-time work to try and ensure that the approaches that are adopted in different jurisdictions don't differ yeah. too much. Which is why, which is why ESMA, for example, came out with the twelve months, right? Because there's no point, sort of, Ireland having twelve months if other jurisdictions have eighteen months, and it's sort of it's all just becomes. Sort of yeah. a bit no, of a, the, the, a, a, the, a the, being a cast yeah, will yes. be a very powerful authorization, very yeah. powerful, yeah. definitely. An area that's come up uh, is the spot Bitcoin ETF approval by the SEC. Keen to get your thoughts. Yeah, so, so it was uh, very interesting to see that that, that decision uh, over over the recent uh, couple of weeks. Um, we, we have a, a well articulated approach. Uh, to to uh, crypto in in, uh, in in the fund space uh, as one that we uh, have engaged with uh, industry uh, about uh, a, a good deal um, and it reflects what I was saying or in terms of we are we are uh, skeptical about unbacked crypto uh, being heavily distributed to retail customers uh, so what we have said is that in our we, we have two types of um, uh, funds, broadly speaking, sort of those that are for retail and those that are for what we call qualifying investors, um, uh, which is basically professional investors. Um, and what we say is that for, for professional investors, uh, you can offer uh, funds uh, with crypto exposures. So if it's an open-ended fund, that could be up to 20%. If it's a closed-ended fund, that could be up to 50% of, of your exposures. Um, one of the challenges that is still under discussion is safekeeping. Um, so, so up until now, it's, it's the focus has been more on sort of uh, um, crypto futures uh, and derivatives, um, but we are we are open to 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 um, direct holdings where, where they are uh, for um, uh, where they are demonstrated to be able to be to be well safe kept as mm. it were. Um, so that that's our context. And uh, the, the, the challenge with ETFs, of course, is that they are available to retail investors uh, and they are traded on 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 on, on uh, secondary markets. So it's very easy to get in and out. Uh, so in a way, you know, where we are at the moment, which is our, our limitation to professional investors, 
that's where we kind of are pretty comfortable is the right place to be uh, at this point in time. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, we'll uh, move on to a, a broader question, which is that uh, we are representatives here of Blockchain Ireland. And um, I suppose the soft uh, leading question is, you know, what can Blockchain Ireland do, if anything, to assist CBI in, in its future focus on innovation slash uh, digital assets? Is there something Blockchain Ireland can do to assist in this regard? So look, I think I mean Blockchain Ireland is a is a really valuable, really important, really valued uh, interlocutor, and, and we've had lots of uh, engagement o over the time. Um, and I know that colleagues across the bank, the central bank, have been engaging with d different parts of of, of Blockchain Ireland's uh, work. So first thing is I say is let's continue continue that. I mean yes. I, I mentioned earlier sort of our, our uh, the importance we place on that sense of openness and engagement, that two-way uh, process. Um, so, you know, our, our door is is open, and 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 we want uh, to 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 engage with you. I, I know in the context, for example, of our consultation paper currently out there about uh, the sandbox and and all of that, we we, we engage with Blockchain Ireland early on in that, and we have ongoing uh, engagement. So, I think that would be the second thing. So, so your your sort of continued. Um, uh, contribution, uh, assistance. Yes, sort and, of our and also the payments that. consultation has a tech right. angle as well at the moment. Yeah. So there, there's a lot there. Yeah. 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 Yes, thank Great. you. Great. It's uh, Jerry. Actually, we started this conversation, believe it or not, back in your office. I think it was 2016. Yeah. Um, that unfortunately you've had my me knocking on your door <laughs> about this subject. So. Fortunately, Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so look, a, a question we ask all of our podcast guests is to share a podcast that you listen to or your favorite podcast, which you think listeners might also enjoy. Oh, okay. So, um, well, the, the, the podcast that springs to mind, let me say that I, that I, that I am a, a regular listen to is, um, a podcast called the rest is politics. Uh, it's, um, hosted by, uh, Alistair Campbell and, and, uh, Rory Stewart, uh, oh, yes. uh UK yeah. former, Politicos, let me say, not politicians per se. Uh, one from the uh, Labour side, one from 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 the, the Tory side. For me, what is really interesting about that podcast is that is their, that their fundamental um, motto or, or or the thing that they're trying to do is to disagree agreeably, uh, and I think yeah. that is yeah. that's at the heart of so. Actually, it's, it's something that. that that we in Ireland, I think, are, are really good at doing. And, and one of our strengths is one of the reasons, I think, why we um, do well in Europe, right? We, we, we have a perspective, uh, we bring it to the table, we argue it vociferously, and we try and find some we're agreement. Not and if we don't, we're not dogmatic. We don't, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so I think there's something true. about, yeah. yeah, and you look around the world and we look at the geopolitical tensions that there are and the challenges, uh, being able to disagree agreeably, I think is a pretty important thing. Or to agree disagreeably. <laughs> that's, not so good. that's called compromise <laughs> and we're quite good at that as well um, and, and last question Jerry if people want to follow you um, the work you do the work the central bank does where's the best place people can go yeah so I mean I would say you know probably the best place is uh, um, for the kind of ease of access is, is our LinkedIn uh, sort of channels um, central bank uh, formal LinkedIn channel is lots there um, my own personal LinkedIn channel. I try to put a, a reasonable amount of sort of interesting things up there. And of course, our website, we have a, a consumer corner uh, and we have a lot, a lot you know, we, we keep that a very live place, an interesting place to be. You're not on TikTok yet. Yes, huh? Not on TikTok or, 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 other, or, or, or other performative yeah, media. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, fantastic. Look, and um, 
I know hopefully we'll see you again shortly as part of Blockchain Ireland Week as well, which is coming up in May. Um, but Mr. Jerry Cross, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Thanks, thank you. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. So as we wrap up episode three of Blockchain Leaders Insights and a focus on regulation, there were definitely three things that I think um, came across for me. So number one, I think the hard work that the Central Bank of Ireland has done over the last 10 years and more to make Ireland a credible jurisdiction, um, not only in Europe, but around the globe. Number two, I think it's also the, the recent um, and not noticeable focus when it comes to being open and engaged through the Innovation Hub. Now, as that moves on to the next phase around the regulatory sandbox, and even the fact that Jerry was here with us today, you know, a number of years ago, um, certainly when I started engaging with the Central Bank, I don't think that was possible. So there are demonstrable um, points of evidence to show how that shift has occurred. And then thirdly, I really love that point around I guess the importance of being able to disagree agreeably um, and the role uh, that I guess the central bank plays to, to embody that uh, at a national and at a European and global level. So thanks for listening. We will see you again soon for our next episode.